Okay. Right, folks. Well, good morning, and uh, great to see you guys. Um, aren't you just glad of the person of the Holy Spirit? Person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. Okay, sometimes it's hard to kind of get our heads around him. And he is a he, he is a person, okay? But uh, for me personally, I've experienced and encountered God the Holy Spirit on so many times. It's him who changes us. It's him who heals us. It's him who reveals the Father and the Son to us. And I'm just so grateful and so glad that I see him at work in your lives. Last weekend was just such a joy. It was such a joy to be together as family. Such a joy to hang out and have fun. It was brilliant to see our kids running around and all the rest. But the creme de la creme for me was watching the Holy Spirit empower you and change you and make you more like him. Because if we try to run this life, if we try to run this race in our own power and our own strength, you know, we're not going to get too far. And we're not going to become the people that God has intended us to be without the Holy Spirit. It is him who empowers us and changes us. And um, on the Friday night of last weekend, we began our new teaching series. I'm going to continue it today. And it's, we're going to take some time over the next few weeks just going through uh, the Acts, Acts of the Apostles. I don't know how far we're going to get. Could go all the way. We might just do a bit. But I kicked things off on Friday night simply by looking at Acts chapter 1. It's a fairly well-known passage. It's that time um, in the 40 days after Jesus is resurrected from the dead. It's the 40 days before he ascends to be uh, with the Father in heaven. And he's, uh, he's encountering he's, um, his friends, his disciples. And he says these words to them, wait, wait, you must wait together in Jerusalem. You must wait to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one whom I've promised you. I've talked about him so many times and so often when Jesus spoke, his disciples never quite got it, did they? You know, there were so many times he would tell them in clear, plain, I was going to say English, it wouldn't have been English, would have said, this is the way it's going to be, lads. And they just, it was like, duh, they just didn't quite get it. And we're quite like that too, aren't we? Um, but Jesus spoke. He said, the Holy Spirit's going to come. He's going to be the counselor. He's going to reveal things to you. He's going to continue to speak to you like I have spoken to you. But I'm not going to be around much longer. I've done my job. I've done what I intended to do. I've been obedient to the Father. And now I'm going. But I'm promising you the Holy Spirit. He's coming. He's coming. But you must wait for him because he's going to come. And we have the Holy Spirit. You see, the difference between Old Testament and New Testament is the Holy Spirit only came upon certain individuals to do certain things. Whereas all of us here in this room, if we know God and we've chosen to say yes to him, the Holy Spirit is in us and lives with us. It's that part that, of our spirit that he connects with. And so... That was Acts chapter 1, the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and you receive the Holy Spirit so that you'd be uh, my witnesses. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. 
so that you might be my witnesses, that we might become the very people that God intended us to. The rest of Acts chapter 1, you can read it yourself, is about replacing Judas. Um, There were obviously 12, and Judas took his life, and they replaced uh, the apostle. Um, And so a a 12th man came in. Who'd have known they were playing with 12 at those times, instead of 11 or 15, but there you go. Uh, By the way, great island rugby results, well done. Yo, yo. The big game is coming, though. The big game. Was it two weeks' time? I'm looking at, yes, okay. You know what I'm talking about, some of you. Most of you are like, what is he talking? He's gone right off the text. Here's the text. If you've got a Bible, turn to Acts chapter 2. I don't know how far we're going to get. I've got the whole thing. I've got the whole chapter lined up, but you might be done when we get to about verse 10. We'll see how we go. Uh, But if you have a Bible, flick with us. Otherwise, it's going to be up on the screen there going to read together bits of passage, then we're going to have a wee chat, then we're going to read a bit more, then we're going to have a wee chat and see how we go, okay? So, first one. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled. Pentecost. Pentecost is the Greek name for the festival of weeks or harvest festival. It has two or three other names as well. But Pente, you remember Pent, five and all the rest, is 50 days days, um, after Easter. If you include Easter Sunday, it would be 49. But if you include that, it becomes 50. And it would be um, 10 days after the 40 days of ascension. And um, in that time, in that place, the disciples were obedient. There were those 10 days where they waited. Jesus had said that. He descended to be with the Father. And for those 10 days, they wait. They wait expectantly for the Holy Spirit to come. And then suddenly, the Holy Spirit came. I think there's something in that suddenly for us that sometimes we're waiting, just waiting for God to move. Sometimes in our own time when we gather together corporately, suddenly he comes. Sometimes in your own prayer time when you're just before the Lord and you're just saying, come, come, suddenly he comes. Sometimes you're going about your daily life just kind of minding your own business, but trying to be in tune with the Holy Spirit. And sometimes you're not in tune with the Holy Spirit, and suddenly, there he is, right there. He's right there in a conversation. He's right there in a thought as he just reveals himself to you, suddenly. There's something in the suddenly, as we wait expectantly for him to come and move in our lives. And on this particular occasion, when the Holy Spirit came, for the first time was poured out on many, he came like a violent wind. You can imagine a violent wind, can't you? You've been in the house those days when the winds come and you're in the house, and you're like, oh my goodness, I hope, the, I hope the, the tiles of the roof don't blow off. My goodness, I hope we've got the window. Have we tied the trampoline down? That's, you know, you don't want to be that blowing over, you know, and on someone else's car or something. 
the violent winds, you can imagine, it's like tore through the, through the room. And what looked to be tongues of fire rested on each of the disciples. Now, in our human minds, that insults our intelligence, doesn't it? That's the sort of thing that we see in movies, where you see all that, what's that word for the computer graphics? What's the special effects? I know that. There's like a special one. What is it? CGI. Come on, someone geeky. Tell me what does it stand for? It's got to stand for something. Computer-generated image. I didn't know you were geeky, Mark. Ah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> bless you in that. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, it's the sort of thing, isn't it? You've been watching a movie. There could be a, like a human character and these, these things coming. But it was sort of like tongues of fire just rested upon each of the disciples as he came for the first time. They began to speak in tongues. Tongues. That's an interesting thing. Let's read some more. Now there, in that place, in that time, staying in Jerusalem, they had come specially to Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken, utterly amazed. They asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, can't pronounce that one. I'm not quite sure about that one. Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism. Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own towns. Staying there in Jerusalem were these God-fearing Jews from all over the place, hundreds of miles away from Jerusalem. And they came and they would come to Jerusalem because it was the central place. It was the place uh, of their forefathers. It was the place where the Ark of the Covenant was kept. It was the place and they would make these pilgrimages at certain times. And this certain time was the Feast of Weeks. This 50 days after, um, after it would have been Passover and it became Easter to us. And they would have made a pilgrimage. God-fearing uh, Jews would have made this journey to be in this central place. And I just love it. The strategic birthplace of the church. It wasn't just the Jews who were living in Jerusalem. It was people from all over. And I read somewhere in reading all about this, that sometimes the Jerusalem would have swelled to as many as like three million people. It would have just been a real hub of activity as they would have come. And in that central place, when everyone was gathered together, God came. He came in such a mighty, powerful way. I don't think we understand it. I don't think we can't get it. Sometimes we read the Bible and go, oh, that's nice. We read words like, um, together, in bewilderment. You know, uh, what was the other one? Utterly amazed. We read that and we brush over it. Man, if you were there... And he came like this, and all these people started jibber-jabbering in all these different languages. You would be utterly amazed. 
You'd be like, what the heck is this all about? Those blokes speak Galilee. It's not Galileans, is it? Galilean. They're from Galilee, and they speak Galileans. And they're like, what are they doing to talk in our language? It's a bit like me trying to speak your language. <laughs> we and Ock and all that. It's like, where did he get that from? Where did he get that learned ability from? It was the Holy Spirit who was poured out and they spoke in other tongues. They spoke in their languages and they're like, man, how do they know that? They haven't done a crash course in another language. In, I don't know. They hadn't done that. How is that possible? How is that to happen? Now, tongues, speaking in tongues is one of those, it's just one of those gifts of the Spirit that some people get really hung up on. Some people have got no idea what it's really about or what it's for. Some people just think it's balmy and it's out there. But the gift of tongues is a spiritual gift. And briefly, I just want to share on it. It's one of the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit, right? We know, or many of us will know this, that they're not for us. They're for the building of the, of the kingdom and the church, right? So they're not badges that we wear, but they're actually tools from the toolbox that God uses to bless other people and to build the church. But the gift of tongues is slightly differently because in the main, the gift of tongues is given to us, for us. A gift which every one of you, if you know Jesus, can have, by the way. It's not just for the super spiritual who can speak this funny kind of way and you're like, wow, either that's weird or wow, that's, well, you must be well spiritual, right? It's for everyone who loves Jesus, okay? And it's a special prayer language that God gives us that we can engage with God. So here's the thing. There are times in life when I don't know what to say. And I don't know what to pray. And you just come into situations and circumstances, you're like, God, I can't find the words. I can't use the language to actually express how I feel or what I need right now. And so we speak in tongues. It's a bit like when I fell in love with Chantel. Don't, oh, this is beautiful. It was Valentine's Day yesterday, dear. When, you, when I fell in love with Chantel, it's like, yeah, I just... Get your kankies out, folks. It's, it's like, <laughs> here, we've got a whole box at the front. It's like, I, I couldn't, and I won't stop. It's like, I couldn't find the language to express how I felt. And that is totally true. I am being a wee bit cheesy, right? I couldn't quite get out. Oh, I just love you. You're just amazing. You're just this, that, the other. I wish I had better language to be expressed how I felt. It's like sometimes with God, you just don't know how to say it in, in English. And God gives us this beautiful prayer language to engage with God. And it comes through the Holy Spirit. I hadn't planned on saying any of this. But sometimes the gift of tongues is used corporately. Corporately in a gathered sense. And so someone can give what's known as a tongue and they speak that. But then comes the interpretation of the tongue. And we pray, eagerly expecting for an interpretation of what was spoken in that way. If you're not sure about that stuff, or you want more on that, I think it's in 1 Corinthians 14, I think. It's in around there. And if I'm wrong, speak out, if anyone knows. 
Otherwise, come ask me and I'll definitely find it for you. So that's that. So the Holy Spirit has come in this way at Pentecost. And people are speaking in these tongues. And they're like, what is this all about? We just don't understand. So, back to the text. Amazed and perplexed. They asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them. And they said they have had too much wine. Some are amazed. They're like, what, what does this mean? This is just, we just don't understand. Where others mock and laughed and made fun and said that they've had too much to drink. Peter's had enough. And at this moment, he stands up and he speaks out. And he says these things. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Peter takes to the stage. This is his moment when he stands up and speaks. This is the moment where he becomes Peter the rock that Jesus was to build the church on. This is the moment when Peter is no longer the fisherman, but the fisher of men. This is his moment. And for us, what that means to us is becoming the person that God intended us to be. The person. I met with someone during the week and I had the most incredible time with this person. We spoke for a good amount of time. Unpacked his life with me. He unpacked an encounter with Jesus that he'd had. And I'm just so excited for this man's life. As he becomes the person he was intended to be. The person that you were intended to be when he formed you and knew you in your mummy's tummy. He dreamt over you. He has plans for you. Plans to prosper you. He dreamt that stuff over you. And for each and every one of us, as we encounter the Holy Spirit, we become like him and we become the person that we were intended to be. And on that Pentecost day, Peter stands up and addresses the crowd. And he preaches a real humdinger. He quotes three lots of scripture. He quotes Joel, which we've just read, and then two other passages from the Psalms where he quotes David which we're probably not going to have time for today. He says, these guys aren't drunk. 
How can they be drunk? It's nine in the morning. Jews wouldn't have eaten or drank until that time, nine in the morning. But the teaching does not quench what the Holy Spirit is doing. Rather, it gives substance and meaning to what the Holy Spirit's doing. Peter says there, let me explain this to you. Let me explain the answer to your question of what does this mean. And he begins to use scripture to teach and to train and to explain what's happening. Now let's just hit the pause button on this for a moment. We in the vineyard love the Holy Spirit. We love who he is and what he does. But too, we love the word of God. And we must hold both things together. Like a railway track. Two lines together. So we have the Holy Spirit today. And what he's doing. And what he's speaking. And what he's teaching. And what he's training. But we have the word of God. The scriptures. The teaching of the Bible. That go hand in hand together. And it's very important that we understand that. It's very important that we take the scriptures here. To explain And what Peter does is he explains worship and he explains the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Joel mainly prophesied about judgment. That that was his whole uh, book. If you read the book of Joel, it's about judgment to ancient Israel. But in this bit here, God is speaking of a promise for the future. So the book of Joel would have been written loads and loads of years before Jesus But he's prophesying uh, and speaking of a time in the future when when God would do the most amazing thing by pouring out his spirit. The last days refer to the time when the Messiah would come until he would come again. And so this was the time. Now today is the time. It's the last days. The last days is until Jesus returns again. The spirit was poured out on all people. Men, women. Slaves, um, the, um, the young men would see visions and the old men would dream dreams. I've often wondered when, when we cross over. You know, for some of us here, it's obvious you're a dreamer. For others, you're just loving the visions. I'm just not sure when, when one switches to the other. But there we go. Um, the Holy Spirit, I've talked about that. In this moment, in that time, in that place, the Holy Spirit was for those who were Jews because they were the ones who were gathered. And it took years later until the Holy Spirit was poured out onto the Gentiles. But it was important in that moment too that the Holy Spirit wasn't just for those who were Jews. And we, we understand that there was a, Uh, for all believers and all people. And that's another reason why I think it was so important that there were people from all over the place gathered in Jerusalem. It wasn't just those that kind of resided and lived in Jerusalem. Are we good with this? Have we got time for a bit more? A bit more? Or do we want to hit pause and just do some welcome the Holy Spirit? Just decide myself. Good leadership, Shans. I'll decide myself. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you 
by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him. As you yourselves know, this man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Peter goes from Joel. He talks about the Holy Spirit coming, and then he gets to the main point of the sermon. And maybe this is the main point of this sermon. It's about Jesus. And he explains, and he uses this passage here to explain the truth. And he makes it very personal. He says this, accredited by God. This person, Jesus, he was accredited by God to you. These are the Jews that he's speaking to you. He was accredited because he did miracles. There were signs and wonders. He was amazing what he did, which God did among you through him, Jesus. As you yourselves know, this man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. You see, the Jews thought he was, it wasn't who he was. They thought he was someone else. And they got rid of him. And with the help of men, other bad, wicked men, they actually killed him. He goes on to say, David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope. Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. He goes on to explain fellow Israelites, fellow Jews, fellow friends. I can tell you confidently that the patriarch, David, died and was buried. His tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him an oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne seeing what was to come he spoke of the resurrection of the messiah that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead nor did his body see decay god has raised this jesus to life and we are all witnesses of it exalted to the right hand of god he has received from the father the promised holy spirit and has poured out what you now and see david spoke when he wrote the psalm there he spoke of one higher, a descendant, someone that would come from his line through the lineage of his uh, family, his birth. The Messiah would one day come. David, the man uh, that the Israelites have revered, David was the king. He was the one. But he had died and was buried, and they have a tomb to show for it. But Jesus, the Holy One, who was died but rose again, Death could not keep him. And these folks here, and Peter is saying, we are witnesses. We saw it with our own eyes. And we too are witnesses of what God is doing in our midst. He poured out the Spirit on what you now see and hear. Peter affirms what they saw, and he begins the birth of the church. The first ever church. And I remember and I look back and we'll talk about it I guess from years to come that over a few four years ago or so I remember the birth of just a portion of his church 
as we met for those first few times at the Zoo Park Cafe. We're coming into land. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, if you've slightly switched off because it's getting a wee bit boring, switch back on just for this bit because it's really important. They, the people who are hearing him, were cut to the heart. They were gutted. They were absolutely gutted because they thought this Jesus bloke wasn't who he was. And they had realized on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came and they saw and they heard everything that was going on, it was like, my goodness, we've missed it. Peter does this incredible job, much better than I'm doing this morning, explaining, explaining and teaching. And this is what he, this is who he was. And you missed it. In fact, you didn't miss it. You actually killed him. You helped him. And they were gutted. They were cut to the heart. And they said, what must we do? What should we do? Peter replies, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. If you do those things, if you repent, you will receive this gift, the Holy Spirit. You receive it. The promises for you, for your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves. And 3,000 people were added to their number that day. What shall we do? Repent, be baptized, you receive the Holy Spirit. This is the gospel message. And thousands upon thousands upon thousands of times, this same message has been preached all over the world. But that was the first time. That was the very first time it was spoken of. And it's a joy to get the opportunity, like Peter, to be able to preach the gospel. That's the gospel. You talk about that word, the gospel, many of us don't really understand or know what it means. It's coming into life and relationship with God because of Jesus and the cross through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's it. It's for you, it's for me, it's for everyone who chooses to believe. He preaches this unbelievably brilliant sermon on that morning and 3,000 people were added. Three, I can't imagine that. Just can't imagine it. When, how did they do small groups? Seriously. How did they do that? Where did they get a building for 3,000 people? It's unbelievable. Who counted 3,000 people on that day? Fantastic, isn't it? Isn't it amazing? The last bit that we've missed out there, the end of the passage, is what we've spoken of lots of times. It actually is our blueprint for small groups. It's how they gathered in their homes daily and they broke bread and they shared with one another and they gave to those who were in need. And the Lord added to their number daily, 3,000, added to their number daily. It's the birth of the church, folks. Acts 2, the church was born. This beautiful thing, the bride where Jesus is at the head of it. It's a beautiful thing. Look around us. This is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. 
with all our hang-ups and our struggles and our problems and our issues and our whatever. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful mess, the kingdom. God takes us as we are. Come as you are, he says. And I'll work my work in you and through you. How? Through the Holy Spirit. Uh, I said this on Sunday morning, last Sunday morning. I'll just come to my head there again. Uh, having a conversation went along the lines of, I, I just need to get my house in order. You can't get your house in order. Only God can if you allow him and invite him. You, you know, you, you, you can sweep up the mess a wee bit here and there and try and make things look right. But it's just going to get messy again. Breadcrumbs are going to be everywhere. God comes to, to actually clean it up. But it's him who does it. Our role in that, we need to allow him. We need to allow him to do that. Great. Why don't we stand together? We're going to pray. And uh, we're just going to pray. We're going to wait. God, thank you that you came from heaven to earth in the person of Jesus. Thank you that through him we have life in all its fullness. Thank you that we've the forgiveness of sins. Thank you that we've the promise of hope and new life in you. But God, the Holy Spirit, we thank you that you came all those years ago on that special day. And thank you that you're here today in this assembly hall in Carrickfergus. And we just welcome you. We say you are so welcome. And we pray that simple prayer again this morning. Come Holy Spirit. We wait for you. Just encourage you wherever you're at. Is just to invite him. Come. Come, Holy Spirit. I need you. Come, Lord. And just let him come. Let him come to you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you're doing. And more of you, Lord. Let him come despite of you. Let him come despite of what you feel. Let him come despite of what you think. Thank you. Just come. Just come.
that's it. He's all over the room. He's ministering to many of you. He's just filling you now again. Some of you sense it quite powerfully and quite strongly. And some of you just, it's just like a real sense of peace. Let him come. Let him come. Wait for you, God. More, Lord. As we wait for him, he's doing lots of things with each one of us. Before the service we prayed, there were a couple of words, and I think they're quite relevant to us now. One of them was of a, God doesn't want to just put a sticking plaster on the wound just to cover up the wound. He wants to actually heal the wound. And the other one was of a zebra crossing. A zebra crossing obviously were white and black lines and it's like there were people that wanted to walk on the white but not on the black. And I have, I have a sense here that for some it's, it's like the black it is just, it's the stuff that, you, it's almost like you, you can't, you feel like you can't go before the Lord because of the black stuff. But that's not what God's like. God invites us to, to walk a, across the way to him, even on the black stuff, even with the black stuff. Thank you, Lord. Um, there's a bit in that bit Paul read in Acts that because the Lord is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. And I just feel there's some people here and you feel like um, your faith is shaken. Um, You've got loads of doubts and questions and God just wants to minister to you about that and be with you and, and reassure you. So if that's you or any of the things Paul said, um, we'd love to pray with you. So I just invite you to come up to the front now and we'd just love to pray and bless what God's already doing, what he's already speaking to you about because he's here and he's speaking to us all. So if that's you, just cut them now. Make your way forwards and uh, we'd love to pray with you. Just do that. That would be brilliant. 